0: Thanks for your breakdown. You Colter Nuanas. as always, you can find this podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com, coming to you from the ESPN Missoula studios. It's the first Thursday of October, and it feels like it. It's uh, definitely fall in Montana. Homecoming in Missoula, that's where Skyline Sports will be. But sunny San Luis Obispo, California, that's where Montana State will be, and that's what we'll be talking about on this podcast. Pretty good Montana State's matchup at Cal Poly and rehashing. Some of the stuff from last week as Montana State rallies from a 21-0 deficit and a 31-14 deficit to post a 49-31 victory over Northern Arizona going away. Really impressive effort by the Bobcats. They rushed for 244 yards in the second half, 340 yards overall. And uh, even without much of a passing game, we are able to rally against a solid conference foe. Fourth straight win for MSU. They're 4-1 and, and they're off to their best start since 2012. On this podcast, here for Brooks Nuwanez from Skyline Sports, breaking down the Bobcats. He was on the sidelines for that Montana State-Northern Arizona game. We'll also hear from J.J. Koski, senior wide receiver from Cal Poly. He joined us on Tutel Nuwanez, uh, the only daily sports talk show statewide in Montana earlier this week. And then we will also hear from Tim Walsh. He joined 2 0 last week, so not many thoughts on the Cats, except for he did touch on a little bit in our Big Sky preview. Uh, So we've already had this in the podcast, but I wanted to reshare it here uh, with a little bit more continuity uh, involved in this thing. And then finally, I'll share my Bobcat Roundtable this week with Byron Hout, defensive line coach for Montana State. He's also the defensive run game coordinator. So going up against Cal Poly's triple option, He will have his hands full, as will the Bobcat defense. As always, this podcast presented in part by Selway Armory. If you're in Bozeman, go check out the new Selway Armory. It's beautiful. Out Jackrabbit Lane. Huge space. Tons of inventory when it comes to firearms and ammunition. No matter what you need. Guns, pistols, rifles, anything. Selway Armory's got you covered. Locations at both Missoula and Bozeman. Take the Selway Armory Challenge. Shop with Selway Armory for a year. Guarantee you you're going to save money on the big box stores. And they got experts that can get you exactly what you want every single time. So go check out Selway Armory. This podcast also presented by Town Pump. Town Pump, Montana's best since 1953. I drive all over the place. I already put 10,000 miles on my car since March. And I always make sure to swing into a Town Pump. they got the best prices on any and every snack, drink, food, beer, whatever you need. If you need to decompress a little bit, put a $5 bill in the casino machine, you can do that. A lot of town pumps have liquor stores, so you can pick something up for a little later on in your evening. Enjoy yourself a nice cocktail, beer, wine, the works, and, of course, fuel. And that's what I'm always going there for is fuel. Uh, But it's accessible, it's easy, and no matter where you're at in Montana, there's a town pump food store near you. Without further ado, get this thing kicked off with Cal Poly senior wide receiver, J.J. Koski. The Big Sky Breakdown, skylandsportsmt.com.
1: Colter, we know that in Montana there's a lot of hunters, a lot of gun enthusiasts, so you might as well shop local when you're looking for your next firearm or accessory, huh?
0: Soi Army, they got the best prices around and the best service you'll find anywhere. As the guys over there will tell you, shop with Soi Army for a year, we guarantee you, you'll save some money.
1: The other thing is they have great knowledge. There's a lot of questions that people have about the right styles and types to suit them and what it is that they're trying to do and All the guys over at Selway Armory know their firearms and ammunition and accessories inside and out.
0: With locations in both Missoula and Bozeman, Selway Armory has some specialty products as well, including full Sig Sauer inventory for your best in handguns and much, much more.
1: Like Coulter said, two brick-and-mortar locations, one in Missoula, one in Bozeman, and also online, tremendous inventory there. They'll ship everything you want, selwayarmory.com. We go now to the Wreckage Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in senior wide receiver for the Cal Poly Mustangs, J.J. Koski. J.J., thanks so much for taking the time out today. How are you doing? I'm doing well,
2: do well, thanks for having me
1: on absolutely very happy to have you on uh You are a kid who has a really interesting story and i i I don't know all the reasons why this is one of the reasons we wanted to have you on because this is really interesting to me. You were recruited by a lot of uh, a lot of teams coming out of uh out of high school u c davis montana Nevada, San Jose State, among others coming out of San Ramon Valley high School. You decide to go to cal Poly obviously Cal Poly an outstanding academic institution, but as a wide receiver. Going to a school that runs the triple option—a little bit of a head scratcher from a decision-making standpoint, football-wise. What led you to go to Cal Poly?
2: Yeah, I think that uh, I think that I could come here and kind of make a name for myself, even though we do run the triple option. But um, I think over the past couple of years, I've been you know super productive in the role uh, I kind of have with our team. If it's you know returning punts, returning kicks, and whatnot, or you know. Um, getting the ball uh, on reverses on a couple uh, running games we do with me, and also in the pass games. I think that you know coming here, obviously, you know it's a great um, academic institute in Cal Poly, and uh, I go to the business school here, so it's a great deal all around. But also in the football game, you know, I get I uh, have a big role in our offense, and uh, yeah, I think that uh, it's kind of worked out for the best of both worlds for me.
0: Did you have any following of Cal Poly earlier on? At, you know, mid two thousands.
2: You know, not really. And I'm a Bay Area guy, so I, uh, you know, was a big Cal Bears, uh, Stanford fan. So, you know, not much. I just knew that uh, I, I always knew about it. And right. um, you know, when I kind of got into high school, I kind of started to learn more about what they're about. I, um, I just when,
0: when I look at your numbers, I've been covering the FCS for about 13 years now. And and when Cal Poly, uh, before Co- Coach Walsh got there, when when Rich Ellerson was still the head coach, but they were still running the triple option. They had a receiver named Ramsey's Barden, and he was maybe the most dominant guy I've ever seen. And basically, it was a similar role to what you got. You know, if you if you run the play action triple option, then you chuck it up. And I mean, he scored something like fifty touchdowns during his career. He went on to play for the New York Giants. But you've been kind of the first guy that's really had that true breakout, solidified multiple year role in that offense. So I think it's a cool and interesting parallel. But um, take us through just what it takes from a mental standpoint, because oftentimes. You are just going to be blocking on the perimeter, but then when you're called upon, your time—I mean, it's going to be a deep shot most of the time. So, what's it like to balance the responsibilities in the offense for a guy like you?
2: Yeah, it was—it was definitely hard to grasp that role coming out of high school. You know, we ran a completely different offense, but you just kind of got to be ready when your name's called. Like you said, you got to go make a play. You know, you can't really think about it. You don't have time to. You know, catch those intermediate routes and kind of get going. You got to go when your when your numbers called on offense. You got to go make a play, especially at the wild position. So, you know, I kind of pride myself on us being ready and mentally throughout the game. You got to be, you know, locked in on every play, even if it's uh, when we're running the ball. You know, we take pride in our in our blocking on the outside. But yeah, it's definitely uh, you definitely got to have a different mindset, knowing that you're only going to get you know um, limited shots. So you got to you got to take advantage of all those.
0: Take us back to the game at Southern Utah. We were talking to Jeff Choate yesterday, Montana State head coach, and he said watching the film, you literally were getting sick because the camera was swinging so hard because it was so it was so windy. He said when you watch it from the the twenty two wide angle, that it's almost hard to see what's going on because he's like, I wouldn't have wanted to be on top of that lift elevator because this thing was about to fall off the top of the thing. What were the elements like for you guys on Saturday?
2: yeah it was pretty ridiculous. I never played in anything like that um but you know it, it going in and getting a win like that was big for us in our program and um yeah it was it was uh you kinda had to be there to really know the elements but um it was if the wind was swirling it was i was back there trying to feel the punt and I had no idea where the ball was going so um it definitely was a was the atmosphere I never played in, but you know anytime you can go on a road and you know in this league and get a win it's you're you're gonna take it so if it was uh tornado, wind, whatever, you know, we were were happy to come out there with a
1: win. Wide receiver J.J. Koski for Cal Poly joining us. Cal Poly hosting Montana State uh, this Saturday, 6 p.m. Mountain Time kickoff uh, there in San Luis Obispo. Uh, J.J., when you talk about uh, 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 this particular year, though, and you go, you know, Joe Prothero obviously – uh, uh, you know, uh, graduating last year, and even though it's obviously still going to be and is always going to be a triple off, uh, option offense, there's actually more in the passing game going on. I mean, you are exploding as a wide receiver this season in the Cal Poly offense in the passing game. What's it been like though to have a, kind of a new quarterback back there and a little bit more opportunity at least in the pass game?
2: It's pretty exciting, yeah. Definitely, uh, you know, our offense kind of has a different dynamic to it this year. Um, you know, we still pride ourselves on the same same fundamentals and foundation that we've had in the past. But, I mean, I think we showed since day one, you know, we played uh, USD at home and we kind of we kind of took some people back that we can make some stuff happen through the air, definitely. Um, and I think that we've carried that forward and hoping to, you know, kind of know that we we got a pretty good balance within our offense and within our system.
1: You know, we had uh, Tim Walsh on your head coach uh, last week. And he's always been just a, a very nice guy to us and, 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 uh, and great to talk to. But also, when you see him, you're like, well, is this guy a head coach or is he a Marine? Like, what, what do we got here? <laughs> and I'm wondering what it's like to play with him, because, for, play for him, because he is, he is you know a really nice guy. But also, you know, you can see a, a certain toughness factor coming through with Coach Walsh, too.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. He's definitely spot on with that haircut too. So you know he's exactly uh, he's, he's kind of got an edgy look to him. But yeah, he. I mean, the thing about coach is he's always a straight shooter. You know, he's gonna be uh, straight with us as a team and where we're at. And it, you know, it's kind of always been how he is. So it's nice to have a guy like that at the helm who's not gonna, you know, he's gonna shoot you straight and kind of gonna tell you we're up against each week. So um, he definitely keeps our heads on straight going into each game weekend and you know each uh, opponent. Kind of really evaluates each team very well, I think.
0: So old school, I think he might be the only head coach left in America that doesn't wear a headset during a game. Yeah, <laughs> I know.
2: It's
1: awesome. He's,
0: he's just locked in. He doesn't need a headset. Yeah, he doesn't there. know, you know, don't know no what the calls are.
1: <laughs> just down doing it. I love it. Well,
0: you talk about Coach Walsh's toughness, and Jeff Choate has instilled a similar mindset at Montana State. And talking to Coach Choate yesterday, he was basically saying, hey, we relish the opportunity to go play a team that wants to play physical football like us because it's just going to come down to fortitude. It's going to come down to toughness who can outlast the other team as as a team on your guys' side of this thing what's your mentality going into this game and do you guys relish this sort of matchup as well
2: yeah we're excited you know this week we've been kind of preaching it's going to be one of those you know hard-nosed games and you know it's going to be i think it's going to be down the wire We're, we're, we're really fired up for this game it's i think it's big for both teams you know starting off the big sky we're both you know 1-0, one to zero, and this is kind of the step. Uh, this is going to be a big game for us on this side. So we're hoping, uh, you know, it's going to be hard nose, hard-fought. I think it's going to be a tight one down to the wire. So we're, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of going in with that mindset this week that we're going to have to give it, give it our all for, you know, four four full quarters. And if if it takes a little extra, it takes a little extra. But yeah, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun one.
1: You know, you, obviously, when you guys run the triple option, it's a unique challenge for anybody that plays you, and that's certainly part of the advantage of doing it. Montana State defensively really hangs their hat, though, on their front seven as well, and 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 again, probably why people expect a bit of a street fight in this one. But when you look and see the film and kind of see what Montana State is and does up front, what stands out to you?
2: Well, not only are they athletic, but they're pretty big. You look at their front seven, especially a linebacker. They got some athletes back there. So, you know, even watching film on them, and you know, we we played at you know weaver State had a good front seven too. So, I think those two, you know, those two fronts are. Pretty uh, similar in terms of athleticism and size, so I think uh, you know we got a good test against them uh, earlier this season. So, you know, yeah, we can't say enough about the you know they got they got a lot of guys, who got big motors on their side of the defense, so they're gonna they're they're not gonna be you know they're gonna be pursuing to the ball all game, and it's gonna be a yeah we got our work cut out for us this week.
0: It's interesting the chess match and the X's and O's that go into so many different sorts of football games, and just talking to Coach Walsh over the years and having covered him for so long, he always says. You know, hey, we're just going to take what the defense gives us. We're going to see what happens on Saturday. So uh, when you're preparing, how do you balance that? I mean, what's the, what, what is the, just the process like when maybe you're not going to know necessarily the look Montana State gives you right out the gate, so you're not necessarily going to know how the triple option is going to be able to operate against whatever look they might give you.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's you know I think each week we kind of got an idea what teams are gonna play, but you never really know, right? You're just you're just kind of got an idea in your head of what what you're gonna come out and look at. But we've got a lot of guys on offense who's played a lot of downs and seen a lot of fronts, so you know just being adaptable during the game is the biggest thing for us as offense. We don't ever want to get worried, you know. We know we're going to get some stuff thrown at us that we might not have seen before. But um, I think just being, you know, on your toes and being adaptable during the game and being able to make adjustments is the biggest thing for us as an offense. And you know, seeing what the defense has given us. So, yeah, like uh, like I said, it's, I know we probably will see some stuff that we might have not seen in the past. But uh, we just got to have our eyes right and you know, uh, and just go with the game plan.
0: Because of your big playability, because you have been so productive for several years now, there I know that there's some some football on your horizon likely I know that's probably a goal of yours individually. Last question for you then. How do you balance that? How, how do you balance you know maybe some NFL aspirations and chasing those dreams while being in the scope of contributing to a team uh, during your senior season?
2: Yeah, it's it's been different. I don't really I've never really thought about it too much honestly. It's uh you know like you said it's always been uh, in the back of my mind but you know, I came here to play for Cal Poly, and you know, have a have a productive career here. And I think uh, I've kind of proven that over the last four years. And you know, I'm just taking it all, and we only got. So many of these left on the schedule, and it's uh you know it's been a blast. we got a tight group this year, and like you said, I'm just trying to take it all in and you know worry about you know what I can do in this season to help us get some more w's and you know I think the wrestle will kind of take care of itself but yeah it's been it's been it's been uh it's been a different balance this year, but you know nothing uh nothing crazy, and it's been just uh you know fun to take it all in.
1: Cal Poly wide receiver J.J. Koski joining us. Uh, boys and girls, you want to have yourself some fun, enjoy yourself, go to the Cal Poly website, the football page, and take a look at J.J.'s profile pic. That is a <laughs> glorious thing that you did there for the camera. We appreciate that. That is that is a winning smile, my friend. Uh, J.J., thanks so much for joining us. Best of luck on Saturday. Really looking forward to this football game between uh, between the Mustangs and the Cats. It's going to be a lot of fun, and and, and best to you, okay? appreciate it. Thank you guys for
2: having me on.
0: Thanks to JJ for joining us on our 2 tell Nuwana's daily radio show statewide on SWX Montana Television is all, also on your radio airwaves 105, nope it's 1029, sorry 105.7 is my radio station in Bozeman, 1029 ESPN Missoula all throughout western Montana. JJ Koski, great kid, thanks so much for joining us. Up next we'll hear from Cal Poly head coach Tim Walsh, this is his interview from last week on 2 tell Nuwana's. Breaking down just the big sky in general. No real thoughts on Montana State, but a couple thoughts on some players from Montana State. So here's Tim Walsh from last week, Tutel Nuanas.
1: Love having the opportunity to talk to coaches at the Big Sky Conference, especially when they've seen as much as Tim Walsh has and when we're headed into conference place. Two Tel Nuanas one 1029 ESPN Radio. Great to be with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. We're broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Celia, and online at kurtzpolaris.com. We go now to the Rangets Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in the head coach of the Cal Poly Mustang football team, Tim Walsh. Coach Walsh, thanks so much for being here. We appreciate it. How are you? Always. Always good to talk to you and look forward to getting started in the big sky. Well, we we are excited to be getting started in the Big Sky as well. What makes the Big Sky such an interesting conference? I mean, you've been around the Big Sky longer than anybody now that's in the coaching ranks of the Big Sky. What do you what, what makes the Big Sky unique to you?
3: Well, I think even when it was eighteens, I mean, you know, you know, nine teams, it was like so competitive uh, week in and week out, and it was pretty diverse in what people were doing. And I think it, it stays diverse in what people are doing offensively and defensively. But people are still scoring points. That's been the common factor and the common thread, and it has become, in my opinion, ultra competitive. Uh, I think all the way through it, from teams one through team thirteen on any given week. You know, I mean, even the year a couple of years ago, hate <laughs> to talk about it, when we had a bad year, we played some really tough games against some really good teams. I mean, mm-hmm. we State staying against twenty to fourteen. Southern Utah won the championship and beat us twenty to fourteen. Uh, we were in games and we just couldn't find ways to win them. Uh, and I think that uh, that's what makes the conference so good is that each week, regardless of where you are, you have the opportunity to beat a, a very a quality football team and really turn your season into something that can be positive.
0: There was several uh, different men that were in this league for a really long time, uh, namely Mike Kramer, Jerome Sowers. Now, each of those guys, 20-plus years in the Big Sky Conference, but they're not around anymore. But now Dan Hawkins back into the Big Sky Conference. I know he was a guy that you crossed paths with earlier on in your career. But now you're kind of the godfather of the league, having been in the league on and off since 1993 for the majority of the last 25-plus years. Well, First of all, what's it like being kind of the, the dawn of the league right now? But also, what, how have you seen the league just evolve over that time, that time span?
3: Well, you have seen a lot of coaches come and go for various reasons. A lot of great football coaches that have had the opportunity to move on, and that's a good thing. And a lot of other coaches that have decided maybe to end their careers where they were. Uh, And with that to happen, the influx of new blood and new philosophies and some really good young coaches. I mean, I really have a lot of respect for the guys that are in the league right now and what they're trying to accomplish. Montana State, uh, you know, I think Jeff Choate does a great job. Obviously, I think Troy Taylor is a great fit for Sacramento State. Uh, obviously Hawks doing a great job at UC Davis, uh, and then you go down you know, Eastern Washington, and I think Howard H- got Coach Best, the guy that played there for Coach Kramer and, and played there for Coach Wolf and the guys when they were in their glory days as well and continuing the traditions that they've had. Uh, I, I think it's a really an interesting dynamic, and then you, you bring back uh, Coach Houck at Montana, and I think that uh, this league right now is probably in its comp- most competitive state that it's ever been in, and that has a lot to do with the coaches and the they're fire to, to get their programs to be the best pro, one
1: of the best programs in the country coach you, this is a kind of an interesting year where you can do a 12 game schedule this year and you guys uh played three games in the non-conference and then had a bye week last week heading into this first of all was that by design to to do that to get the extra week off and what does that do to set you up as you head for southern utah this weekend
3: Well, I think it was twofold. I mean, number one, we were already playing six away games, and we didn't want to play seven away games. That was part of it. And sometimes we have difficulty finding out-of-conference games that want to come to San Luis Obispo because the travel can be difficult uh, if you're not chartering. So uh, once we decided that we weren't going to play, unless we could play at home, we weren't going to play a 12th game. And, you know, I think it could have an impact on us. I mean, if we go... Uh, seven and four, and somebody else goes eight and four. That eight and four team might get in the playoffs unless we beat them along the way. You know, and I think that that could be a uh, factor that we're not fired up about. I wasn't excited about the first week of school having to last week going on the road again. Uh, we already had three. We were already going to do three in a row, and I didn't want to do four in a row. Uh, so uh, that week came at a good time too. We played an extremely competitive first three weeks at the University of San Diego and then Weaver State who's physical and then an Oregon State team that I think offensively for sure is better than people think.
0: You mentioned the Weaver State matchup. That's been something that's been sort of commonplace in the Big Sky since the league expanded with the addition of Cal Poly, Southern Utah, North Dakota, and UC Davis in 2012. Big Sky teams allowed to play other Big Sky teams in non-conference games, and it's a necessity a lot of times because there's hardly any FCS teams out west. If you want to play a West Coast team and you're on the West Coast, like Cal Poly, if if you can't get San Diego to play you, you kind of have to go schedule a, another Big Sky team. But what was that dynamic like playing a, you know, not only a conference, not <laughs> playing not only a conference foe, but also a top ten team at your second week of the season in a non-conference game? Well,
3: let's put it this way: number one. I didn't mention Jay Hill either. I think Jay Hill does a tremendous job at Weber State. Some of the things that are happening there are incredible, and I really think he's got a chance this year to go away. So they can stay healthy, especially on the offensive side of the ball, but they're extremely well coached, and I have a lot of respect for Jay. But And I don't have any no disrespect meant to the people that preceded him, but when we signed that deal to play him two years out of conference, we had just beaten him 49-0. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and right. i thought well that's yeah they said we get we were staying home and home i said take it <laughs> so we took it jay hill comes in and we beat him this first year and then the next three years i mean he's been pretty darn good and uh so the app program's turned around quite a bit so i wasn't expecting uh the last two years to play a team that was going to finish in the top 10 each year and they're gonna again this year uh they're that good but it's a great test for us and uh, we do like to play the best football we can play so we got a Weaver State maybe at the wrong time, but I think it's going to make us a better, better team long run by playing uh, that quality of an opponent.
0: We were teasing Jay Hill at the Big Sky kickoff. We said, your guys, your Weaver State players that you bring to this thing, they could not wear their jerseys, and we'd still know they're from Weaver State because they're just so big and strong. And there's a lot of big and strong guys that show up at that thing, but they've brought a couple tremendous physical specimens the last couple of years. How much of that is oh, yeah. a part of their success, just the physical makeup of the guys he's able to recruit?
3: Well, and especially I mean, in both in both styles of play, offensively, I mean, you know, they're not necessarily the flashiest team. The flashiest team offensively, they're kind of a grind. It you know, don't make mistake, and they're big and they're strong. And then defensively, I mean, no, they 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 ran in against us at least eight different defensive linemen that all could have started here, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? And they all looked apart the when they run on the field. And everybody talks about who's got the best defensive line on the West Coast. I you know, I get it that Utah is probably it but I don't think that Weaver State's far behind them. I'm not going to lie to you. I think that they're that good on the, the defensive front, and they look the part, like you just said. I mean, they walk in, and they, in their uniforms, they fill their uniforms up pretty good, and it's not sloppy looking. It's muscular looking. So I think it's had a lot to do with their success and probably what they've done in the offseason in the weight room and create the mentality that they have uh, in their program about how they win games with special teams, great defense, and a rugged offense that's going to score 24 to 30 points, and they're not going to allow you to do that.
1: Tim Walsh joining us. He's the head coach of Cal Poly, Cal Poly at Cedar City to open up Big Sky Conference play uh, against Southern Utah. And Coach, uh, you graduate one of the great running backs in, in the history of the Big Sky Conference in Joe Prothrow uh, uh, this past season. and And you know you run a, a triple option and it seems like you always got somebody who's coming down there from brown to to pro throw and so forth you've had some great ones come through but particularly a guy like that how do you replace you know a, a guy who was just as good as he was and such a an important uh, a piece for you for for several years
3: well obviously there's some positions on our offense that are difficult to, re- to recruit to that's one that's not because uh, we recruit big tailbacks out of high school so there these yeah. are high school guys like joe that were used Getting the ball 30 and 35 times in high school and wanted to do the same thing in college and you know zoe trans Sampson is the guy that's getting the opportunity now but there's guys behind him that, that are really good players too so over the years that joe has been there we were able to stockpile that from a guy that's a senior now all the way down to a guy that's a freshman now that we think are really good football players they're a little bit, they're all a little bit different which you know dusty Frampton is a true freshman from st mary's high school and uh Stockton, California. He led the state in rushing when he was a, and we think that he has the ability to be a lot like Joe. He's really is a big tailback. Dewey, on the other hand, is more of a tail. I mean, he's the fastest of the bunch. I mean, he ran twenty-one nine or two hundred in high school. I mean, he's six-one, yeah. six-two, and two hundred seventeen pounds. He probably couldn't run that now because he put on about fifteen pounds. But he's still a step faster than maybe we've had there in the past. So uh, it's been a position that we think has been easy to recruit to because they know they're going to get the football and have the opportunity to
0: rush for 1,000 yards each and every year that they start. Jaleel Hamner, he was the uh, Big Sky Conference Offensive Player of the Week the first week out as your quarterback now. You guys have had some transition there, too, going from Chris Brown to Dan O'Graves to Khalil Jenkins, and now a new guy there with Jaleel. Uh, tell us about his skill set, because just looking at your statistics and watching you guys a little bit, it seems like he can throw the ball a little bit as well.
3: Well, I mean, he's got a guy to throw it to. I mean, J.J. Koski, I mean, people are saying that I mean, every team has already been here. I mean, most of the guys have graded in the fourth or fifth round draft choice, and he is that good. Uh, you know, we played Oregon State. You know, After the game, they said, well, we knew he was good. We didn't know he was that good, and he is that good. So he's got a target to throw to, and Quentin Harrison on the other side of him has improved tremendously, too, and then Jalen has some talent as well. So I think that uh, – Jalen won a battle of three guys, and it was extremely close. All three of those guys since spring football got equal repetitions within maybe ten snaps of each other all the way through that time. And we just felt he won it because he kind of possesses something that we look for in that position, and that's kind of the, the, the other factors other than uh, just the athletic factors, which they all have, or the, uh, the ability to throw it or the ability to run it or whatever it might be. He's kind of got the hit factor, and he's able to deal with the ups and downs of that position and the leadership that goes with it very well. So we're extremely excited. I mean, his ceiling is large. I mean, he's nowhere near what he's going to be. Uh, I I really think as the season progresses, you are going to see a bigger, better, uh, more confident player as the year gets going. And uh, hopefully it happens again this Saturday and give us a great start. But in the next three or four years, you're going to hear a lot about Jalen Hamlin.
1: Coach, uh, in in a day and age where the proliferation, especially offensively, is just really kind of blossomed across college football, and you have you know the air raid stuff and the RPO stuff and all all kinds of different things going, you, you of course have been running the triple option uh, you know forever there at Cal Poly. What is it about that style? Even though you are incorporating some more throwing and so forth, like you say, what is it about the triple option that just works for you and works at Cal Poly?
3: Well, I think the state Cal California. really, we don't, you know, because of our academic standards and we just really recruit the state of California, uh, you know, so when we use our academic pool, what we can get into school, I mean, not, no offense to everybody else in the conference, I mean probably 85% of the players we play against, we can't even say hi to in the recruiting process right? Uh, because of the academic standards. So our academic standards shrink really drastically. It, means it shrinks our pool down. And then you add to it that you have the Ivy League recruit in California, you have the academies recruit in California, and, the big four in Stanford, Cal, UCLA, and and USC that are all going to take, you know, so our pool shrinks pretty big. So we don't need to be six six and 315 pounds. We can play with six one and six two offensive linemen that are really good football players, but only passes on them because maybe they don't pass the eyeball test. And we've had a lot of great ones, and that's kind of what we've built the program on are those kind of guys that are tough, kind of have a chip on their shoulder because they thought they were good enough to play maybe other places. We were able to get them and the same goes with our slot back position and you don't have to be it doesn't have to be a six foot one 215 pound guy that can do it and down in and down out we can play with smaller quicker tougher dudes that kind of have that academy mentality so that has a lot to do with why we run what we run and uh i think we've had success on offense i think that you know i think that it is getting tougher and being in a conference where you play everybody every year and they kind of get the beat on you, and they see how other people defend you, and that makes it a little bit more difficult to be as efficient as you want to be. So we are always going to be constant in changing the mode, but we're never going to lose our identity that we are a option team. That's going to be the identity we have, and that helps the pass game, and that helps some of the other run game things that we do outside of the CIPLOP.
0: Tim Walsh, longtime coach at Cal Poly, joining us, and Tim will get you out of here on this Last year, the Big Sky Conference breaks through with four teams in the FCS playoffs, including three that are in first-round buys and seeds. It seems as if now the Big Sky, like you said, it's been competitive forever, but now it's really back in terms of national recognition. And if you were to add Montana to the fold now with them being a top-20 team, as competitive as ever as you and your team and the rest of the league kick off Big Sky Conference play on Saturday, what's going to be the key factor to navigating this league competitive as it is?
3: Well, I think there's already been a lot of surprises. I mean, how many people thought Houston Washington would be where they are right now with right. the amount of returning players that they had? I mean, that's that's incredible to me. I think that UC Davis is obviously, I knew they, everybody knew they would be good again this year, and they are good. I do think that, you know, they got North Dakota State at the right time. I mean, they graduated a lot of guys from last year's team. So a lot of guys have started a lot of years in a row. So you got some guys that are still in their growth pattern probably at North Dakota State. <laughs> And uh, that's how they've been good year in and year out. And I think that Davis showed, you know, everybody in the country that, you know, the big guy is for real by how well they played them. And they really had a chance to win. I, I watched that game streamed. I mean, they had a chance to win that football game. You know, So it's unfortunate uh, for our conference that maybe they didn't, but it still made a great showing for our conference. It's going to help with playoff time. And, and, you know, and, and this is no offense to the rest of the conference champions, but conference champions that get in, if you're really going to select the best 24 teams, there probably should be six from the Missouri Valley, and there probably should be six from the Big Sky. No doubt, right. and I know that's not going to happen. But in reality, that's what should happen if you really want to have a tournament of the best twenty-four teams in the country. Uh, that's how many teams probably are good enough to continue to play uh, once they get through their leagues. I mean, our league right now, by the time you get through our, I mean, I, this year, the way it's looking, I don't know, six and two, be a pretty good record, maybe. You know, and I think that that's the part that you got to shoot for is six and two and be well enough respected by what you did in your preseason schedule that it gives you an opportunity to continue to continue to play i mean i couldn't really right now if you had to pick who was going to be the conference champion i mean going in i would have said he's watched it and weaver state you know probably were my top two picks but the way montana state's playing montana's playing well obviously davis is playing extremely well and i'm telling you the dark horse right now in my opinion Sacramento State. Yep, yeah, so uh, they are really good on defense, and they've been their two losses are to two competitive teams, and then I think there's a bunch of unknown teams, and we might be one of them. Uh, I think Portland State might be unknown, and Idaho obviously woke some people up with the way they played on Saturday. So uh, I just think this conference, uh, you know, you got Case Cooks down at Nau. I mean, they go through every team. <laughs> right, who's going to win it? I, mean, I don't, I don't know. It's going to be staying healthy is going to have a lot to do with it. You better win at home. And find a way to at least split on the road. If you can go two and two on the road and go four and zero at home, you got a great chance to be in the mix at the end of the year. And I think that that's well, that's what our goal is: is you got to find a way to win games on the road, and then you got to protect your house. And if you can do that, then you will have an opportunity to continue to play in, in late November and December.
1: Well, Coach, we certainly appreciate the time. Best of luck this weekend at, at Southern Utah. And for folks in our neck of the woods, Montana State, the weekend after that uh, in Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. So a uh, big start for you to the start of the season. We really appreciate your time, though, and being with us.
3: Yeah, we well, bring your surfboards and stuff. So it's supposed to be in the 80s on
1: October 5th. So. I'm into it's that. Beautiful you know?
3: day at the ocean. should be a beautiful day
1: at the ocean. <laughs> so we'll look forward to seeing you guys. Tim Walsh, head coach of the Cal Poly Mustangs football team. Great to have Coach Walsh on with us. I uh, really appreciate that, and and there's a guy who knows. I mean, when you talk about when he starts laying out the Big Sky conference for you, and the way the way you know it goes, and it's you know ebbs and flows, and 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 uh, you know the serpentine route that is always taken by any team to get to the end of the year. Nobody's lived it more than that guy right there talking about it. So uh, we we appreciate that. That's good stuff.
0: Thanks to Tim Walsh for joining us. Sorry for double-dipping there, but I thought it was pertinent again this week, and that was a great interview, part of our Big Sky Conference preview from a week ago. Next up, our Bobcat Roundtable that usually airs on 105.7, 104.7 in Bozeman and Big Sky, Montana's Superstation, the Eagle. This week, defensive run game coordinator and defensive line coach Byron Hout joining us and a great conversation just about his defensive line as well as stopping Cal Poly's triple option. Here is Byron Hout on the upcoming Bobcat match. Hello, welcome in to the Bobcat Roundtable. Coulter Nuwana is reporting for 105.7 FM, 104.7 in Bozeman and Big Sky, Montana Superstation, as well as ESPN Missoula and SWX Television Statewide. Bobcat Roundtable this week featuring Montana State defensive line coach Byron Hout. Byron, thanks so much for being with us.
4: Hey, thanks, Colter. Thanks for having me on.
0: I think this is your fourth year in a row doing this thing now, and you've been at Montana State for four years, so just take us through broadly what the experience has been like for you. You come in as a really young coach, and now you're getting to be more of a veteran coach, so how do you think things have evolved just in your eyes, uh, b- both with the program and yourself personally?
4: Yeah, I mean I, w- I wouldn't consider myself a veteran yet, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, things have come a long way. I mean, it's, it's night and day from when we first got here. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with just the people around the, the the football program, you know, down in the administration, um, the president of the university, the AD, the community of Bozeman have all been really, really supportive throughout the years. And we've kind of made some big changes around here, you know, with the nutrition station, uh, uh, being one of them. Now we're able to feed our guys and, and put the right amount of fuel in their bodies. Um, that was a big, you know, hire for us, uh, hiring our nutritionist. And then, uh, you know along with the strength and conditioning staff um you know i think they they've gotten our guys uh physically uh more prepared to play than they've ever been and so hats off to those people and the people around the program that that make it go
0: you mentioned the physical gains and to me so much of it it has been mental gains too i was Thinking back to when you guys played at Weber State back in 2016, your first year as a staff there at Montana State, and that game, it couldn't have gone worse in the first quarter. I think you guys had only run seven offensive plays by the time you were down 21 nothing because of a couple fumbles and a fumble on a kickoff. And you, you rallied for a minute, but then all of a sudden you're down 42-14 at halftime, and it was just kind of a, an avalanche that you could never get out of the way of. And it was so reminiscent to what we saw on Saturday in terms of the start but then the finish was the complete opposite, right? Instead of, instead of maybe folding on the road like you did then, you guys finished so exceptionally strong against Northern Arizona. You rally from a 21-point deficit to win going away, 49-31. And it was a tremendous, tremendous show of just mental fortitude by your guys. So how much of, of that is do you think is just an example of how much you guys have grown mentally?
4: yeah i mean you can you can maybe attribute it to last year you know we've been in this situation before it's not a situation we enjoy being in i'll tell you that (laughs) um nobody likes getting down like that and and we can't do that to uh moving forward you know um you know we get lucky that 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 is a a testament to our guys coming out and and not giving up and always believing but it it ain't always going to go like that um you know last year we we were down big in the in the Grizz game, and, and our guys fought back. and I think some of them kind of had that same belief on Saturday that mm-hmm. we weren't going to lose that game. And so uh, you know, having been in that situation before, I think has helped us, but I think our guys got to realize that we can't put ourselves in that situation.
0: Montana State captain Braden Conkle in the post-game press conference, he said exactly that. He said, we, we take great pride in being a second-half team, but we really want to become a first-half team, too, and play a complete game here. So uh, definitely still a quest for Montana State. But uh, Byron Hout joining us on the Bobcat Roundtable, 105.7, 104.7 Montana Superstation, the Eagle. And, Coach, let's talk about your group, the Montana State's defensive line. I know it's somewhere you guys invested in heavily when you guys first took over this program. You really wanted to get the both both. Offensive and defensive front solidified. And now here you are with one of the premier defensive lines in the entire FCS, uh, led by Derek Marks, a, a captain. Bryce Sturck, a senior who's leading the country in sacks right now. And a whole bunch of other really talented players. What have you thought just overall of the performance of your group so far this year?
4: Well, I've been, I've been uh, uh, pleased with how they've been prepared every week. Um, they, they really put in the work as far as their film study the fueling their bodies the right way, the preparation and practice. Um, They've really taken it to another level this, this year. And it comes back to their training in the summer, you know, being able to uh, play uh, a lot of downs. Um, They've been playing, you know, uh, more downs than they ever have probably Um, the veteran crew that, that has played a lot of football for me in the past. Um, And they, they're pretty tight, you know, it's a tight knit group. Uh, There's a lot of, like you said, unsung heroes on that defensive line that maybe don't always get the recognition. Guys like Chase Benson, yep. you know, Jason Scrippos, Kyle Rigg, Marcus Farreter, all those guys, Kyle Rigg, or uh, uh, and 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 Kyle Finch yep. um is another one that the guys that can go in and be solid for us and and really not miss a beat when they're in. You know, and that's tough I think on on offensive linemen when we can rotate another four guys out there that are fresh and really not drop down a level. And, and and so I think we're able to, you know, wear some offensive linemen down in the, in the late-in games, and I think that's when you see a lot of our production come.
0: I was watching Derek Marks specifically during the third quarter of the game against Northern Arizona, and his move to the inside has just been, first of all, seamless, but so impressive. I mean, he's only about 6'1", 250 pounds, but he is almost unblockable because of the way he uses his hands. Offensive linemen hardly ever even get – to touch him, especially in pass rush situations. And like you said, uh, this is such a cohesive team effort. I mean, Sturk has all these sacks, but it seems as if Derek is is helping him get a lot of those sacks as well. So uh, and Jeff Choate had talked all week about just how impressed he is with Marks' ability to set the tone at practice, the way he goes about his day-to-day business. How much of an influence does that have on your group when you have a captain like him who just takes care of business every day?
4: Well, I think it sets a good standard for everybody else in the room that you know, if I if I want to have production, I've I've got to bring it like he brings it, and he's doing a, a great job of setting example for the younger guys in the room as well. Um, how they how he prepares and uh, having the success he's had um, is is directly related to his preparation, and so hopefully the young guys can see that and and they're willing to put in the work when it's their time. And he's just been such a a pleasure to have in all four years that I've been here because he really is a student of the game. He wants to be coached. He wants to get better. He is exactly what you want. He's almost like another coach on the field, kind of like Tucker Yates was. He's able to dissect formation tendencies. He's able to get us in the right call, um, uh, based on what the offense is doing a lot of times. And and so it's like having another coach out there, which is great to have. Um, and I think a is probably given Stirk more sacks, but no doubt. Um, <laughs> That's, a, that's another joke for another time.
0: Sturk even said that too. Amondre Williams, another Washington transfer, one of three on the Bobcat defensive line. And after Sturk had three and a half sacks, uh, he, he basically said in the post-game press conference, he said, hey, I probably stole three of those <laughs> from Amandre because Amandre was getting yeah. home uh, as well. But it definitely a, a cohesive unit where everybody is working together. Byron yeah. Hout joining us. He's the defensive run game coordinator and the defensive line coach for Montana State here on the Bobcat Roundtable. Another guy you mentioned, Byron, we're doing our senior profile this week on Marcus Ferrer at skylinesportsmt.com. Yeah. And Ferrer's a guy that has had a, a crazy career because he comes to Montana State to play for a different coaching staff, one of only a handful of seniors, uh, that is a fifth-year guy for you guys. But then as a redshirt freshman, because of injuries and because of his own performance, he's thrust in the starting lineup. And then he's kind of had to evolve into being this utility guy who can play up and down the line. But I know he has kept his nose to the grindstone, continued to perform in the classroom. And he's, just a, he's a cool kid. He's a kid I've always enjoyed talking to and just hearing from. Uh, so in your mind, what has it taken for him to get to this fifth year? And how impressed have you been just with his ability to stick with this thing all along?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think you summed it up right there. The kid's amazing. He, uh, comes from a great family. They're, you know, his parents are amazing people. Um, and he is one of those guys in our room that is kind of the glue guy. You know, he, he, uh, um, is amazing to be around. He's articulate. He's going to be, um, very successful in whatever he chooses to do in life. And, and I know he's had some job opportunities, uh, uh, interviews already. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that, can play multiple positions has played multiple positions for us um you know and i'm really glad that he was able to stick with us you know he he came up and and you know was thinking about you know moving on and not coming back and and uh you know i think we had the discussion that that kept him here and and he you know came up and and, you know told me that was the best decision he ever made was coming back and and uh You know, I was really happy for him, and I've been really happy to see him have some success. And he's he's really a good football player. He uses his hands really well. He's shifty. He's a great athlete. I know he's, uh, you know, probably put on a lot of weight since he's been here uh, because of what we've asked him to do. And everything we've asked him to do, he doesn't flinch. He doesn't say, well, I don't, you know, why do I have to do this? He just says, yes, coach, you know, which is kind of refreshing nowadays.
0: No doubt. Montana State at Cal Poly on Saturday, and we'll get you out of here on this, Coach. You are the run game, defensive run game coordinator and Cal Poly. They're going to run the ball as early and often as anybody in the league. The triple option attack is one of the most unique offenses in all of college football, and they do it as well as anybody. So when you're scouting Cal Poly, uh, how do you go about preparing your guys, especially when it is just in the middle of a conference season where there is really no matchup like it?
4: Well, you know, they... they uh every triple option team is a little bit different. Um, you know, they, they have some big offense linemen, you know, they're averaging about six five two ninety plus on the, on their offense line. You know, some, some triple option teams um, have a little bit slighter offense linemen. Mm-hmm. So they're a physical unit up front. And, and that's what I told my guys is we got to get ready for a physical, physical game up front, you know, not just the, the stylistic of of the type of blocks, but you know, just them, their their mentality up front and coming off the ball, we we have to match that and go beyond. And so it'll be a, a be a physical game for us up front, no doubt.
0: MSU riding a four game winning streaks heading to San Luis Obispo, California, Saturday evening against Cal Poly. Byron Hout, Montana State defensive run game coordinator and defensive line coach, joining us on the Bobcat Roundtable. Byron, thanks so much for being with us.
4: Hey, thanks, Colter. Appreciate you.
0: Hey, hello, welcome back into the Big Sky Breakdown as always. Podcast can be found. SkylinesportsMT.com. Coming to you from the ESPN Missoula Studios on one side. And then we got another guy who's driving over the Continental Divide. Brooks Nuana is joining us on the phone line. He's on his way to Missoula, but this podcast will be covering primarily Montana State. We will touch a little bit on the Grizzlies. We'll also give you a preview on Montana State's road trip or I guess plane trip to San Luis Obispo, California. They just took off just about a couple minutes ago on the way to beautiful snow down the uh, Southern California, so we will uh, keep you up to date with all of that. But are uh, to teams, in the year, uh, as well as uh, just the um, state of the Bobcats season right now as they take their show on the road to play Cal Poly in the triple option offense. So, uh, first of all, Brooks, last
5: week well. really, uh, uh, he it was an interesting game I love I, I thought it was fantastic I love I loved getting back into conference play games that really matter. Um, and then, you know, a regional rival. In this league, there's a lot of, of, of teams that are newer to the league. Um, NAU and Montana State have been playing a long time. So it, those kind of things, I'm really familiar with the school, a lot of the coaching staff. I love to, to see kind of the true competitiveness of the Big Sky play out. Uh, a couple takeaways was Montana State came out slow, like they have regularly. We've spoken about it quite a bit in the last uh, 15 or 16 games of going into last season. Uh, come out slow, but then the, the their depth really showed. I thought that they had a lot of guys playing in a lot of different positions. They never really backed down from that. They never really had to lean on one specific element to get back in the game. Uh, though Travis Johnson uh, kind of you know converted wide re- quarterback to wide receiver, came back and played a lot of wildcat quarterback and was pretty dominant uh, with his first 100-yard rushing performance of his career. But what I took away overall from Montana State going deeper into league play is that they can win games in a variety of ways, I think. If they get on top of someone, they're going to really pummel people. But I do think that they have a little bit of stick to itness and the ability to, to come back in games, which they proved. Um, so it does, Jeff Show wasn't happy with the win, or was happy with the win, but wasn't happy with the way they started, um, which was clear. So we'll see how they get that kind of stuff cleaned up. Uh, but overall depth um, on offense and defense was, was, was definitely shown. I think that's what, what kind of turned the tide on the, during the NAU game.
0: It's a double-edged sword, right? Because Montana State, when uh, Jeff Cho took full blame for Tucker Rovig's pick six in Monday's press conference, he said, hey, that's the read that we had implemented. That's the read we wanted him to make. That's the throw we wanted him to make, which on one hand lets me know that they're not really make, letting the quarterbacks really get through their progressions. It's kind of just a one hit and throw it. And then when you throw the wrong one, then all of a sudden you got to pick six. So that's that's another topic for debate. But then after that, Rovig was not good. He could not find the mark. Uh, on a lot of different simple throws and that's just kind of been the case whether it's been him or Casey Bobbin they just really can't get the short and intermediate passing game going you know simple stuff like just throwing the swing route or the out route or the you know the screen route you just really can't uh, get it rolling and for whatever reason it's just hard for Montana State to find any really in the passing game but Then, when you could be down 17 points in the third quarter and you could decide to run the ball 22 times in a row. And, you know, watching that game back, they ran the zone read, I think, 13 out of those 22 plays. So they're basically running the same play even over and over and over again. Uh, And then to be able to rally from a 17-point deficit and win going away and win by 18 points – pretty darn amazing. I can't really think of another team that's been able to do that. So, I mean, where do you sit on that element, Brooks? The fact that you know, it's a great thing to be able to do that, but it's still a concern that they can't throw the ball. And I think you're going to cultivate uh, maybe being too satisfied with not being able to throw the ball if you can continue to run the ball like that. It's just it's such a double-edged sword. I don't know. I don't know where I, but I think of it. I'm a guy who loves running the ball. But also, I just you know, I don't really know if it's sustainable long term. So where, where do you think the Bobcats are at Just in terms of being right on
5: that? Too much, too many, or and, the and They've built their system so much, you know, so so predicated on the running game on both sides of the ball, stopping the running, running the football. A lot of teams say that, but this team, the physicality and the size of guys up front on both sides really plays to, to that style of football. So the quarterback thing, I'll say this, the Jeff Cho- Regularly talks about how they they do not make excuses at Montana State. Uh, they do not make excuses as players or as coaches. I'm willing to give this whole experiment, which I've given so much time, another week just because the weather really was terrible. Uh, the ball was just I, I didn't get my hand on any balls, but it had, had to be terribly slick. I mean, it was raining man, and it was cold. It was 37 and sleet most of the game. On the opposite side, you see Case Cookus be able to function in it. Well, that's you know. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the, in the in the country, let alone in the Big side conference for the last five years. That's not necessarily an indicator of how far behind a guy like Tucker Robig is in the in the scope of league play at quarterback. But I do think that I would. It's a little bit of a caveat. That the weather was pretty bad. I do worry about the quarterback situation as far as as you get deeper into the playoffs or you get deeper into a season in general. You do have to have uh, more ball security and more ability to push the ball downfield. So. I think that it's something that has to develop if they want to make a real run. I don't think that this team has – I think the ceiling that they're kind of looking at is similar to last year, you know, get a playoff – a home playoff game and then go lose in the second round, which is not what anyone wants um, as far as what their, their internal expectations are. As far as the running game, do they rely too much on it? I mean, I think that's probably proven when their two best players, maybe on the entire team, in Troy Anderson and Isaiah and Fonse, both are injured due to how much they've run the ball. I mean, there's really right. no, you, you get bad luck from time to time, but like in general, most of those guys are just wearing down just because of the hits. Uh, so that's a concern. I mean, I think clearly I don't think that you're going to make a deep playoff, playoff push with Shane Perry and Lane Sumner, though I like those guys a lot. I think that they have a lot of upside and potential. They're still young. I don't think that those guys are elite backs that are going to get you deep in the playoffs. Uh but they are getting to cut, you know, cut their teeth early in the season and, and build up reps, which they're going to need. Um, and they're going to need depth at every position, but especially at the running position, which they rely so heavy on.
2: All of
0: this is a double-edged sword, right? Because on one hand, you're still rushing for 350 yards a game without your two best ball carriers being healthy. So credit to Montana State. and It's impressive. But on the other hand, I do agree it gives you a ceiling. I do think – or it gives you – It gives you sort of a concrete ceiling, right? Like, I think you can win games like this for a while, but then you're going to hit a terrible roadblock where I just don't know if you can beat the absolutely elite teams in the conference or in the country. Can you beat Weber State like this? Can you beat Montana like this? Can you beat North Dakota State, South Dakota State, James Madison like this? I'm just not sure. I think a lot of this season is going to come down to how the Cats take care of business these next six weeks – because if they can stack a bunch of wins, they could help themselves avoid a lot of those teams for a lot longer in the bracket. And a lot of it's just going to come down to the draw, too. I mean, if they get in the playoffs, which they likely will, so much of it's going to be the draw. I mean, if they draw, you know, a Northern Iowa or, a, you know, a um, whoever else maybe comes out of the Missouri Valley that isn't South Dakota State or North Dakota State, or they draw a Southland team that's to come to Montana, or they draw, you know, an Ohio Valley team like Southeast Missouri State, who they already whaled on. You know, I think that they could definitely handle those sorts of actions. But then if you have to go to Fargo or you have to go to Brookings or you have to go to Ogden, where do you stand there? That's going to be the ultimate conundrum. So we've seen this quarterback carousel, and I texted you. When Tucker Rover threw that pick six, I texted you on the sidelines, and I said, hope you got your Dramamine handy because we're about to ride this quarterback carousel, and it's about to accelerate into full motion. And we'll see what happens. But Casey Bauman starts the first three games. Tucker Rovick starts the next two games. I'm so interested to see who rolls out there as the starter against Cal Poly on Saturday.
5: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think that if Troy Anderson was healthy, he'd be playing quarterback. But which I think everyone at some point thinks that you know, it's so hard to have. You know, We talked about it so much last year, and I, I mean this in, in, in the most honest way. It's, just, it's so hard when you have the shiny toy. <laughs> you know, We talked about it. When you have a shiny little rock and you just love to rub it, it's so hard to not play him. Right. When you are watching an inept offense and you have the, a first team, unanimous all big sky quarterback not playing. So Troy's really not healthy. I made a joke the other day that he should redshirt and I thought about it so much. I thought it's a worthy I think it's a worthy question. I mean if can't you really it. cannot can't I it, right. You can't I get do that. it because
0: he'll just leave. He'll declare for the NFL draft or he'll just transfer.
5: Right, but I'm not saying that you registered him without his consent. I'm wondering if he can't play, what's the point? I mean, right. he, he's literally like a 15-play-a-game guy right now on both sides, like combined on both sides of the ball, which is kind of scary uh, because they really need him. So I wanted to make a point about the running game, especially the ceiling, is is Jeff Choke talks a lot about how they're not a triple-option team. And even though they do run the zone read quite often, they are truly not a triple-option team, in the, especially since they put a more traditional quarterback uh, in Bauman and Rovig, back there, you start to take away that, that plus-one run game that the quarterback adds that they've been so successful with because Rovig and Bauman are not running threats. So then you go back to being a true traditional running team, and there's no running team that just literally hands it off to a single back in the backfield that runs for 350 yards that can beat people. Like The Kennesaw States of the world can go deep in the playoffs because of the, it's the triple option. I just can't think of a team that runs single back and no full back, very rarely too tight, single back, three wide, pounded up the middle, and it goes deep. I just have, I can't even think of a team that does that. So that part is pretty darn scary.
0: Here's, here's the best comp that I've thought of. Do you remember the Illinois State team from 2014 that had Trey, yeah, Roberts, were, Trey were, Robertson, who was a transfer, for a Big Ten transfer, and then they had Marshawn Koprich, the running back?
5: They were awesome,
0: yeah. And they went, they went all the way through the playoffs. They went to Eastern Washington and Cheney, and just bludgeoned Eastern Washington. Then they went to the national championship, and they got killed by North Dakota State. That's what the Bobcat
5: oh, team reminds imagine, me imagine of. Imagine that.
0: Well, right, but that's the, what this cat team reminds me of. Honestly,
5: it's a good point. I just think that that quarterback could probably push the ball downfield somewhat because every quarterback in Division One can.
0: It's an interesting conundrum for sure for Montez. Well, let's talk about this matchup against Cal Poly. Uh, say hits the road uh, to San Luis Obispo. I think they're actually on the plane right now as we speak, but Cal Poly still runs that triple option, but they got an added throwing element this year with Jalen Hamler. They've had some guys that can throw it a little bit better than people give them credit for, Chris Brown, Dan Graves, but Jalen Hamler can actually throw it. I mean, he, they have some true shotgun and drop-back passing game. You look at their stats. You know, they've been a 350- to 400-yard rushing team for the last decade. Right now, they're third in the league in rushing yards, and they're rushing for 250 yards a game, but they're also throwing for 195, which is a lot more than Montana State, which is saying a lot considering that it is a triple-option attack primarily. So that'll be an interesting factor. J.J. Koski, one of the best receivers in the league, even though he's playing at a triple-option school. Tim Walsh says he's probably going to get drafted. We'll see. You know, If Keelan Doss doesn't get drafted, I don't know how J.J. Koski does, but either way, I think he will be. An NFL guy. And we will hear from J.J. Koski later on in this podcast as well. Uh, but the triple option is going to be the primary form of operation for Cal Poly. And Dewey Trent Simpson, the new fullback, he's uh, a little bit smaller. Not quite, well, I shouldn't say not quite, not close to as bruising version of Joe Prothrow, but he's a lot faster. And he's got some big playability. And he's putting up great numbers right now. He's averaging about 100 yards a game, which is not Joe Prothrow's 165 yards per game that he did last year. But. Uh, with the added element of passing and a little bit, the, the offense just seems a little bit more diverse because they don't have to force feed a guy like Joe Prothorough. You look at the Cats, though, we talk about Troy Anderson. If I'm the Cats, I do not play Troy Anderson on defense this week because I think this is a meat grinder of an offense, and I just don't think you need him. I think you can roll with Nolan Askelson, Callahan O'Reilly, Chad Cano, Josh Hill maybe, but maybe you keep him out or limited as well as he's still getting back to full health. You know Blake and Daniel Hardy, Walker Cozy, whoever you need to roll out there, they got a lot of bodies of guys that could be good and uh, I think if you can do it, you can mitigate some reps on Troy Anderson uh, and then I think that the rest of it I think Montana State's D-line matches up well I think their safeties match up well so as long as they can get out healthy, I think Montana State uh, should have a good plan and should have a good way to execute, so uh, break it down for me Brooks, what do you think of Montana State's defense versus this Cal Poly triple option?
5: I mean it it's everything that, that this team is built for. They've been built for it for a couple of years, in fact. Uh, they just have so much depth up front with size and guys that are, are, are willing to mix it up. I think that you can tell, you know, we, we, we talk about it a lot. Jeff Choate kind of prophesizes different things, different matchups. You know, he, you could, he, he talked a little bit about being fearful of Case Cookus and that style of offense. I mean, these kind of weeks, he just—you can tell—he's just ready to go fight somebody. I mean, like it's just—it plays so well into his personality as well as the team's construction. I think that the linebackers will be a little bit tested for the first time, which is great because they need that. They—they uh, they are not a team that has necessarily had a bunch of tackles from the second level. Just because that front line, when they go five across, you know, three down and two on the side, on the edges, those five guys are getting so many tackles in the running game. Uh, so now the linebackers are going kind to of start to get more in the flow of things. They've been rolling guys like Noel Mackelson and Calhoun O'Reilly have really split time. I think that'll be great for those guys to kind of start to get their head across the bow and make some tackles. Um, so those kind of matchups, I think the Cats match up really well. I'm really interested to see this quarterback. Um, he sounds, by all accounts, but his high school stats are just it's ridiculous. So by all accounts, this kid is a, uh, a dual threat guy. Um, which is a really interesting thing with Cal Poly because you have to have such a mentality going to play the triple option, and if they really do have an element of a passing game that's brand new and different, it'll throw a wrinkle into it where Montana State's secondary will, will be tested. I still think the Cats, the Cats can handle this game uh, pretty easily, but it's always a it's always a crapshoot when you're going on the road play a triple option team in the in the evening and the night game in California. A lot of distractions, a lot of California kids down there. Uh, I had Cole Moore, the you know the op one of the ops guys, former linebacker for the Cats, one of the ops guys, and recruiting coordinator guys, tell me that he had guys in California, players from California that were asking for 30 tickets to the game. Multiple guys asking for that kind of thing. So those are distractions that this team should be able to handle, but it's always you know a, kind of a wrinkle or a new element when you're going on the road, especially in the Big Sky.
0: We talk about matchups all the time, and in the Big Sky, there's so many crossover matchups that you can have where it's a good matchup or a bad matchup for your offense or your defense, and sometimes you get – the worst matchup for your offense or your defense, and sometimes you get the best matchup for your offense or your defense. Like last week, Portland State's flex defense, if Idaho State could stay ahead of it, they could just thrash them because Portland State has nothing to go to to get out of the man stuff they run on the outside. That's what happened, and Idaho State ran. and They scored 41 points in the first half and just ran away with that game. We saw it last year, too. Idaho State's RPO offense versus Idaho's man coverage defense. Bombs over Baghdad. You know, the Bengals score 62 points just chucking it down the field. I think that there's a lot of different variables here, but you know, like South Dakota State or Eastern Washington, those have been bad matchups for Montana State's defense the last couple of years because you got mobile quarterbacks who can get the ball out of their hands quick and they've just been figuring out a way to just shred and negate Montana State's pass rush and all that. But When you look at what defense does Montana State's offense match up best against, it's Cal Poly because Cal Poly runs all this twists and color in the hole, all this motion stuff on the defensive line. And with the gap scheme stuff that
5: and, uh, State runs on the
0: offensive yeah. side of the ball, they can just absolutely take out Cal Poly's defensive lineman. South yeah. Tennessee, 430 yards rushing, Isaiah Fonson went for 230 and three touchdowns. So I think that this is a chance for Montana State's offense, regardless of who plays quarterback, to
5: continue uh, with their prolific one game at least and probably Yeah, I agree with you. It's a great matchup, kind of on both sides of the ball. It's honestly the about- at this point of the season, too, when you're, you're, you're really fully warmed up, you have a lot of game plans implemented in. This is the time of the year where you, wanna, you don't want to play this team like too late or too early. You don't want to play Cal Poly the first game of the year. You also don't want to play in the last game of the year, especially if you're beat up. This is kind of like the sweet spot, and it also is a good matchup. So I think the schedule, we've talked about it a lot, plays out really well for the Cats. This is kind of where it starts, where they really pick up momentum. The NAU game was the game that you kind of had to have, one that you definitely could have lost and almost did. And now, since you got that, you go to a really good matchup, and you can kind of pick up some steam and start rolling.
0: Last question for you, then. Here we are, five games into the year, first week of October. So now we're kind of getting into the meat of the schedule. This will mark the official half point of the season after Saturday. Uh, But Montana, they're up to 4-1. and They're number 8 in the polls. Montana State, they're 4-1. and They're number 6 in the polls. Each team undefeated against FBS opponents, FCS opponents. Excuse me, the only losses against Oregon and Texas Tech, respectively. When you put pencil to paper, this is kind of where we had both these teams at. But Montana's win over UC Davis last week, probably the one maybe people did predict in the off-season. Where are you at with these two teams? as your expectations or your prognostications for these two squads changed over the last couple of weeks?
5: Well, I, I would I think that by by all accounts, I had Montana lose into Davis last week, but I did not really – the big picture of Davis coming off of a, a NDSU game on the road probably didn't play as heavily as it should have into those predictions. But overall, I, I think that both teams are really, really good. They're where I thought they would be. The Caps are exactly where I thought they would be, especially with some of the injuries they have. I keep – I've said it for – you know, going on three years now, the style that they're going to play, you're going to rack up injuries. Not just one, you're going to have multiple players injured just by just by the sheer physics of football. So the fact that there are some guys out and they're still playing well is kind of what I thought that they would do. Kind of where I thought they would be. They have done some load management things that have been positive for the roster. Uh, and in Montana, I think the Dalton Sneed, I thought that he was going to be one of the three best quarterbacks in the league. And by all accounts, I just don't know who's better than him right now. Uh, right. He took a bigger step than I thought was even possible, which is amazing to see. I mean, he's a tremendous player. He's starting to get buzzed around the league. I talk to people who are like, well, how about that Snead kid? And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I saw day one how good he was, and he has taken a big step. Right. He has a full full command of that offense. Some throws against Davis, I have not seen. There was a little highlight film where he threw uh, the touchdown to Jerry Louis McGee. And uh, I think it was a, maybe the Sammy cam the other way. It was, it was such good throws. I
0: mean, totally I, NFL I throws,
5: right? NFL throws, man. Uh, on the on the on the boundary side, on the left hash, throwing across the field, twenty five yards, cross hash to the corner of the end zone, a thirty five, thirty six yard throw on a rope. Uh, those are tremendous throws that not many guys in the league are making. To uh, go down there and handle Davis the way they did, I think the Grizz are going to really start rolling. I mean. If you look at the schedule, they do have some tough games, but Eastern is, not, is, is kind of proven to maybe not be as dominant as or as talented as they were uh, the last two or three years. Uh, and then Weaver State, you know, I can't wait. Everyone talks about Montana, Montana State, uh, Cat Grizz game, some of the rivalries in the big sky. When I was growing up, the thing that mattered in the biggest game was always Weaver State-Montana. That was the game that was kind of really defined what the league was. Uh, there was a stretch of about five years, where those were the two big boys in the league, uh, I can't wait to see that again. I can't wait to see a defense like Weaver try to go up against the offense like Montana has. Um, both teams are, are playing really well. I think this is, this is one point I wanted to make is that I think Montana State has so much depth that's amazing. Uh, really do have a lot of depth on the offensive line and defensive line, especially. I think that Montana has, I think Montana State is one or two injuries away from being in a really bad spot where I think Montana, as long as it's not sneed, can really, really roll. Everyone knows in football that if you have a true transcending quarterback, you only need one guy. Um, And they have a ton of other guys around him, but they do have that one guy, whereas Montana State doesn't have that one guy. So if Troy Anderson were to be out, or if Isaiah Fonse were to be out for the rest of the the season, I think that you could game plan them and execute well enough to beat them, even in the regular season, let alone the playoffs. So I think that both those teams are in interesting places, but Montana has such a unique spot with such a good quarterback, which there's been some good ones there, but I think that he's going to be, when it all is said and done, he's going to be one of, the, one, of the really, one of the best in a long time.
0: Homecoming weekend in Missoula this weekend, homecoming weekend in Bozeman next weekend. It's that time of year, our favorite time of year. Brooks Nwana is joining us on the Big Sky Breakdown. Big Sky Breakdown presented in part by Selway Armory as well as Town Pump. Appreciate those sponsors for being a part of this podcast. I appreciate Brooks Nwana for joining us. See you here in a few hours, my brother, and uh, drive
5: yeah. safe. Appreciate it, man. I'll
1: see you in a couple hours. Golt, we know that in Montana, there's a lot of hunters, a lot of gun enthusiasts, so you might as well shop local when you're looking for your next firearm or accessory, huh?
0: Soi Army, they got the best prices around and the best service you'll find anywhere. As the guys over there will tell you, shop with Soway Army for a year, we guarantee you, you'll save some money.
1: The other thing is they have great knowledge. There's a lot of questions that people have about the right styles and types to suit them and what it is that they're trying to do and All the guys over at Selway Armory know their firearms and ammunition and accessories inside and out.
0: With locations in both Missoula and Bozeman, Selway Armory has some specialty products as well, including full Sig Sauer inventory for your best in handguns and much, much more.
1: Like Coulter said, two brick-and-mortar locations, one in Missoula, one in Bozeman, and also online, tremendous inventory there. They'll ship everything you want, selwayarmory.com.